love being in this room with you guys. I really do. And I really enjoy our meditation experience together, the energy that we just um, bring, and being able to sit in that energy, especially after a full and, and busy week. So we're going to get started with our meditation time right now. If you are new to Unity, our meditation is a really key and important part of our time together on Sundays. We practice a very simple technique of mindfulness during our meditation, paying attention to the breath as we take it into the body and to the breath as we let it go. We do a little bit of heart math practice as well. And then we also spend some time sitting together in complete stillness and silence. Meditation is a practice, and any practice we get better at if we practice. So we're going to practice. Take a moment right now to make sure that your phones are turned off, though, so that they don't interrupt you or the people around you. And go ahead and, and find a comfortable position in your chair. You do want to sit with your back nice and straight. It is better to have your legs uncrossed and your feet flat on the floor. Let your hands rest comfortably in your lap. And then when you feel ready, go ahead and close your eyes. And let the simple act of closing your eyes be a signal of moving into a different awareness a quiet awareness. And just notice, how are you feeling right now? There's any part of your body that feels tight or tense or uncomfortable? Just direct your attention there for a moment. Maybe send a little blessing. Now allow your attention to move directly to the breath. And go ahead and take a nice, deep breath in. And as you let that breath go, let it go with a sigh. Ah, oh, yeah. And another nice, deep breath in. And as you let that breath go, let it go with a sigh. Ah. Oh. And once again, a nice deep breath in. And let that breath go with a sigh. And just feel any tightness or stress or worry begin to empty out. Continuing to be aware of each breath. Breathing in peace. Breathing out peace. Relaxing, quieting, opening. Throughout the beautiful chanting you'll hear, continue to practice being aware of the breath. Just a very gentle, steady, focused attention. Aware of the breath in, aware of the breath out. Letting the beauty of the sounds of the mantra, the chant, just wash over you like beautiful light washing over your entire being.
And as the room becomes a bit more quiet, continue your practice of following each breath. And deepen into the practice by allowing your attention to drop into the center of the chest, the area of the heart. as you imagine each mindful breath now moving in and through the heart. Quiet mind. Relaxed body. Heart-focused attention. And as you continue to be aware of each breath, take a moment to begin to practice holding a positive feeling, perhaps a feeling of peace, or love, or joy, or appreciation. as if you are breathing that quality in and through the heart and then back out into your life. Steady, mindful. Heart focused. you should find your attention wanders, gently bring it back to the very next breath. No judgment, just awareness. As we practice now for just a few minutes in complete stillness and silence.
And as we hear the sounds of music filling the room again, begin your process of bringing your meditation to a close, perhaps just pausing to feel a sense of appreciation for being able to be quiet and still and practice in community and family. And then take a nice deep breath in and as you let that breath go, just feel yourself as if you're waking up from just a wonderful soul rest. And another nice deep breath in and out. And so it is. Amen. I want to talk to you today about the dark night of the soul. We have been in a series where we have played off of some previous summer blockbuster movies, and mostly just taking the titles from those movies as a launching point for a spiritual message. And no, I'm not gonna talk about Batman and that dark night, but I do wanna talk about the dark night of the soul. And as I was listening to Charles sing so passionately, it really is that message of that song is an invitation to come up and out of any darkness, to come up and out of any dark night of the soul that we might be experiencing. Who in this room has not experienced a dark night of the soul? I bet there is not one of us that has not experienced that gut-wrenching feeling of your entire world as you once knew it collapsing, where the people that you knew or the things that you relied on or the ways that you chose to live or the things that gave you comfort and joy, that something just so fundamentally rocked your life that it puts you in a place you'd never in before, been in before, a place of deep questioning, deep, deep doubting, perhaps. The phrase or the term, dark night of the soul, comes out of traditional Christianity. It comes out of this idea of a spiritual crisis, a crisis in which an individual begins to deeply question and anguish over their relationship with God, trying to understand that better or reconnect with that relationship with God. St. John of the Cross wrote a poem entitled The Dark Night of the Soul. And in The Dark Night of the Soul, he makes the statement, in the dark night of the soul, bright flows the river of God. He also wrote a book by the same title, The Dark Night of the Soul, in which he describes his deep spiritual journey of questioning and his time of, of doubt and struggle. In 2007, letters that Mother Teresa had written were released, and in those letters, one got a sense of her deep questioning of her spiritual journey and her faith. Perhaps you call to mind our teacher and wayshower, Jesus Christ, on the cross, saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We might say that that was a moment, perhaps, of Jesus experiencing a dark night of the soul. So certainly there is a whole spiritual experience of that. The dark night of the soul can also be an emotional 
dark night of the soul, where something in our life has happened that has just rocked our world. How many of you have had such an experience at least at one point in your life? Look around the room. That's the, the vast majority of us. I remember, and I am grateful, that for me, mine was only one, but it was a doozy as a dark night of the soul is. It was a period in which everything that I had counted on that felt so solid in my life was shaken to the core. A time in which I questioned myself as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a sister, as a minister, as a human being. A time in which it felt as if everything in my life was shattering, and in fact, in many ways, it was. And what I know about those kinds of experiences is they are pivotal. That depending upon how we choose to be in those experiences will determine whether they are pivotal in such a way that we emerge out of them reborn or whether we don't. In preparing for this lesson, I wanted to look at some of the teachers that I respect and see what they might have to say about this experience of the dark night of the soul. And I found much in an interview of Eckhart Tolle. And I want to read, it's rather long, but I want to read pieces of this interview to you. And I want to suggest that I frame this not only in the, from the standpoint of the dark night of the soul that we might occasionally go through as an individual, but I want to suggest that I think we're going through a dark night of the soul as a human family right now. Yeah. That we're going through the dark night of the soul as a human family. And the same things that apply to help us individually move through a dark night of the soul are the same kinds of things that will help us as a human family move through the dark night of the soul. This is what Eckert said in response to the dark night of the soul. It is a term used to describe what one could call a collapse of a perceived meaning in life, an eruption into your life of a deep sense of meaninglessness. The inner state in some cases is very close to what is conventionally called depression, but I dare say it goes even deeper than what we would call clinical depression. Nothing makes sense anymore. There's no purpose to anything. Sometimes it's triggered by an external event, some disaster perhaps, the death of someone close to you could trigger it, especially premature death of a child. Or if you had built up your life and given it meaning and the meaning you had given your life suddenly collapses. Or, if, or it can happen if something happens that you can't explain away anymore. Some disaster which seems to invalidate the meaning that your life once had before. Really, he says, what has collapsed is the whole conceptual framework of your life, the meaning that your mind had given to it. So that results in a dark place. Think about it for a moment. When you are in a dark room and you try to move around in that dark room, you feel like you're stumbling, don't you? You're reaching out, trying to find what? Something familiar, something solid to hold on to, right? Dark night of the soul is very much like that in a psychological and emotional and spiritual way. 
where we are trying to reach out and find something that gives us a sense of stability again, right? A sense of direction or a sense of purpose, something to hold on to. Life, he says, but then there is the possibility that you emerge out of that into a transformed state of consciousness. Breathe into that, because that's the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Then there is the possibility that you emerge out of that into a transformed state of consciousness. Life has meaning again, but it's no longer a conceptual meaning that you can necessarily explain. Quite often it's from there that people awaken out of their conceptual sense of reality, for it has collapsed. They awaken into something deeper which is no longer based on concepts in your mind. A deeper sense of purpose or connectedness with a life that is greater, that is not dependent on any external explanations. It's a kind of rebirth. The dark night of the soul is a kind of death that you die. What dies is the egoic sense of self. Of course, death is always painful, but nothing real has actually died, only an illusory identity. Can you relate to anything that Eckhart is describing there? Absolutely, absolutely. Friend of mine, science of mind minister now, primarily author, Dennis Merritt Jones, Use the phrase that I really like. It's a light version, if you will, of this darker place we were just talking about a moment ago. He uses the phrase, stuck in the yuck. Stuck in the yuck, say that with me. Stuck in the yuck. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe in your marriage, in your business, just in the doldrums of your life, stuck in the yuck. And Dennis was going through a period ministers do, where he felt very stuck in the yuck, and he went to one of his teachers to say, you know, what do I do? What do I do here? And I want to read to you his teacher's response. His teacher says to Dennis, I have some good news for you, and I have some bad news for you. The bad news is life is but a continuum of plateaus, peaks, and valleys that just goes on and on and on until the day you leave the planet. And the good news is, life is but a continuum of plateaus, peaks, and valleys that just goes on and on and on until the day you leave the planet. It is the good news, and it is, quote, the bad news, isn't it? We will always have peak experiences, we will always have plateau experiences, and we will always have valley experiences. You and I, though, do have a teaching that really helps us to be able to transform those valley experiences, be willing to be in there, be willing to be stuck in the yuck, conscious that we're there and eager to move out, or really in the, the deep depths of the dark night of the soul, and know that this too will pass and that it can be, in fact, it really is meant to be, an invitation for transformation. For that is really in the grand scheme of things, the purpose and the design of a dark night of the soul for any one of us. It is to rebirth us, to birth us again and new at a much more evolved and higher level of awareness and consciousness than we were at before. Birth is messy. Have you ever witnessed birth? Birth is messy. Birth is dangerous, potentially dangerous. 
But when we make it through, and every one of us in this room has made it through at least one birth, <laughs> life opens up into new and broader, more powerful and beautiful ways. So what do we do with these dark nights of the soul? There is a phrase that I want to interject here that I came across a month or so ago that just keeps rattling around in my mind. It is the phrase that change is situational. Transformation is psychological and spiritual. Take that in for a moment. Change is situational. We can change a whole bunch of things in our environment, can we not? In our external world. We can also have those kinds of changes thrust upon us. Change is situational. Transformation is psychological and spiritual. So when we speak in metaphysics of wanting to transform our world with love or wanting to transform our lives, we are talking about something much deeper and much more expanded than just changing situations. We are talking about something that is psychological and something that is spiritual. So four points that I want to share with you this morning about dark nights of the soul. The first point is this. Dark nights provoke deep questions, and deep questions evoke expanded answers. Dark nights provoke deep questions, and deep questions evoke expanded answers. Earlier I asked you, if you had ever experienced a dark night of the soul, and most of you raised your hands. Think back, and hopefully it's back. I hope you're not there right now, but if you are, we're here to help, okay? Think back to that dark night of the soul, and I bet you will agree that it was a period in which you asked some pretty deep questions of yourself and of life. Did you not? Nod your head if you did. What's the meaning of my life? What's the purpose? What am I to do? Do I still want to be here? What's, what's it all about, right? Existential kinds of questions, spiritual questions, philosophical questions. And if you were willing to stay for a while in those deep questions and allow an expanded answer to come, you would have emerged through that time of that dark night more enlightened and stronger as a result of it. You see, one of the downsides, if you will, to our beautiful metaphysical teaching is that sometimes we try to sugarcoat things or too quickly move through the valleys in our lives. We want to put a positive affirmation on top of it in hopes that it will all go away and that we don't feel the pain anymore. Does this make sense what I'm saying? There are experiences in our lives, even as deeply practicing spiritual beings and metaphysicians, that require something more than simply an affirmation, but instead require going deeply into the yuck, deeply into the experience, so that we can be transformed by it. We can stop asking, what do I do to fix it, instead, ask of ourselves what is here for me to learn and to become as a result of being in this place. Those are deeper questions that evoke expanded answers. 
Next month, when I do the series on finding yourself in transition, which, which is based on a classmate's book by the same title, we're going to be talking about what transition really feels like. That transition and transformation is a process, and that just because we have left behind a certain way of living and being that no longer suits us, and we are clear on what it is we would like to experience and bring, bring forth in our life, there is that limbo state or that transition state between what was that no longer is and what we want that is not yet here. You still with me? And having the comfort to be in this middle ground until our next steps are clear, until our guidance is clear until there's some open door to move through. Second point, dark nights are both spiritual and psychological. They're both spiritual and psychological. Sometimes in some older branches of psychology, when a person would come in and would exhibit the experiences and feelings of a dark night of the soul, it would often be labeled simply as clinical depression to be medicated away. That's not always what it is about. Just like sometimes people coming into a, a pastor, a minister describing what is the dark night of the soul might actually be in a state of a clinical depression and need some of that kind of, of help that a psychologist would give. And so understanding the complexity of this experience that we sometimes go through the experience that will allow us to birth ourselves into the next higher level of who and what we are meant to be has both a psychological and spiritual component to it. The third point of the dark night of the soul is that they absolutely provide us with opportunities for growth, but growth is not guaranteed. Why would I say that they provide opportunities for growth, but growth is not guaranteed? Huh? Because it's our choice. Because it's our choice. To grow, we've got to be willing to do some work. It is not just going through the experience that transforms us. It is growing through the experience that transforms us. It means that we stay in that place until we can say, what am I needing to learn from this? What am I needing to learn from this? Remember that Old Testament visual story of Jacob on the ladder, ladder wrestling with the angel saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go until you bless me. And I dare say it's almost as if the universe is saying, and I won't let you go until you learn. I will stay here with you. You will stay here in this thing until until you eke out the life lesson, the soul lesson that is yours. Think about where we are as a human family right now in our world. We could say that the answer is simple, and on one level, yeah, it's to learn to love one another and live peacefully. That's pretty simple, right? How we do that in such a diverse world is not such a simple answer. And the kind of deep thinking and patience, and, and I say praying and, and um, seeking guidance and support, 
is essential, is absolutely essential. In order for us to transform as a human family to create that peace on earth, that just and safe world for all of us, we're going to have to be thinking in completely different ways, acting in very different ways than we ever have before. And this cauldron of this dark night, as awful and as painful on one level as it can feel, we must not fall asleep to the opportunity to say, how do we wake up? And what are we being called to do and be differently? And the fourth and final point is that dark nights ask us that dark nights ask that we look for the light as the way through. Let me say it again. Dark nights ask us that we look for the light as the way through. Dark nights ask that we look for the light as the way through. No matter how dark it is, personally or globally, the light is what is real, and we must never forget that. Never forget that. I want to close with a bit of a story that one of my ministerial colleagues shared with me of a member in her community. This man had the tragic experience of his wife committing suicide. And his wife clearly had been in a very dark night, soul, dark night of the soul place for a long time and somehow felt that the pain of being there was too great that the only way she could see out of that was to take her own life. He was left being in a dark night of the soul as well as he dealt with his very deep and very real grief around his wife's suicide. But he dealt with it differently, and this is what he shared with my friend. The difference between my wife and me is that when she went into her deep depression, it was as if she went into a dark room and closed the door. And in that room, she could see absolutely no light. After her death, I went into that same dark room and closed the door, but I could see just a tiny ray of light coming from underneath it. And that was what allowed me to hang on and eventually get out. That tiny ray of light. You know, sometimes in our own lives, that tiny ray of light might be a friend that stays by your side as you're stumbling through that dark night trying to grab onto something that will give you a sense of stability. It might be something that you read. It might be a moment in prayer that suddenly, even though nothing has immediately shifted or changed, there is an awareness that you're not alone and that there is a light and a power and a presence available to you. And in those times that we are not, which is a vast majority of our time, that we are not going through our own dark night of the soul, what a blessing to know that we might be that light for another person. That we, by our prayers, that we, by an encouraging word, that we, by simply being there and being willing to listen, 
might be that ray of light that that person can hold on to. It is no surprise that in almost every spiritual tradition, light is one of the symbols that is used for God. And it's no surprise that Jesus talked about each and every one of us being what? The light of the world. And he clearly gave us a very specific instruction about what we were not to do with that light and what we were to do with that light. We were not to hide it. We were to what? Shine it, to let it be seen by all others. So whether you are in an experience of deep questioning right now personally or with the state of our world, no matter what you look out and see around you or no matter what is going on for you in your personal life, hold on to the truth, and that's truth with a capital T, that the light is still what is real. I want to leave you with some words from Carl Jung. Bidden or unbidden, God is present. Bidden or unbidden, God is present. Namaste.